This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. We are still on the Green Economy series, a series made possible by a collaboration with the African Development Bank Group, in particular, its Climate Change and Green Growth Department. The African Development Bank Group is the continent's premier development finance institution. Every year, world leaders meet under the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, on what is known as the COP, which stands for the Conference of the Parties. So they meet to forge a global response to the climate emergency. On the sidelines, normally are the civil societies, non-government organizations, as well as the media. This year's COP was supposed to be underway now, but it was canceled due to COVID-19 pandemic. It's now scheduled for the 1st to 12th of November, 2021, still in Glasgow, UK. The thing is, COP25 held in Madrid, Spain last December did not achieve much for the African continent. So today we are focusing on the road to Glasgow and we are asking ourselves what are the priorities for the African continent? And I'm honored to be joined by Aruna Somare, the African Development Bank Principal Climate Change and Green Growth Officer and the spokesperson to the African Group of Negotiators on Climate Change, Abbasanda Seininafo. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Elena. All right. Arona, if we start with you, how important is COP26 meeting for the African continent? Yeah, I think it's very important. Uh, so over the last 26 years, we have been on the negotiation table, discussing different arrangements, coming out with different rules and, and framework. And now it's the time for to move really to implementation. And uh, so it is the issue now how to move from the negotiation and to really uh, concrete implementation on the ground. And uh, the COVID-19 situation, as, as we are talking about, has also really highlighted the need to to build a more resilient and healthy eco- economies. And uh, mm-hmm. all the different intervention and development will be really assessed on how quickly mm-hmm. countries and stakeholders and partners can can deliver on the goal of the Paris Agreement. And also uh, how for us, how to speak to the need and circumstances of African countries as it was expressed on the on the NDC a few years ago. Mm. Uh, for us as African Development Bank, this is a very timely moment and uh, we have been showing a lot of leadership on climate issues mm-hmm. uh, by first implementing concrete and transformative projects in the continent, but also supporting African countries and strengthening the African position in this negotiation process. Mm. So this is now the time for us really to to accelerate and support climate action mm-hmm. after all this uh, round of negotiation and, and talking and, and, and discussion. And for us as an African continent, as, as Africa, this is now really time for us to, to bend the curve of vulnerability and poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the bottom line for us is really how to make our country less vulnerable, how to really alleviate poverty and uh, how do you see this momentum so we can build resilience, diversify our economies, create green jobs, and so on. So this COP is a very important, coming at a very important momentum. It will bring together all the key stakeholders 
engage in, in the climate issues uh, made by government, but also private sector, civil society. Uh, so it's a unique platform where we can really uh, move the ball. Mm. And, uh, and one, of, one of the important things I would like to highlight here is uh, this COP is happening at a very defining moment because we're talking about uh, the COP has been postponed, but you know, mm. it, at the same time, there are different other processes which are now ongoing. Uh, on the biodiversity side, this year was to be the, the COP for biodiversity, and uh, COVID 19 has highlighted the need really to, to, to reassess our relation to nature. Yeah, and uh, to, to come out with a uh, with a different framework and uh, try to find better way to restore our assets, natural assets, management assets. Mm-hmm. It's also in time where uh, the issue of land degradation is also very high in the African agenda. So uh, this is a moment where we can join the dots and really collectively bring together these different issues and uh, address what is at stake now. What is at stake at, the, at this COP is pushing for new and more ambitious indices mm. for the African continent and uh, making it very realistic based on the best available information, but making sure that, you know, this NDC are also aligned with our development goals and mm-hmm. bring, bring about clarity in the process. Mm-hmm. The second thing which is very important is all the issue around climate finance commitment. So we mm. can scale up this commitment and support the most vulnerable countries and uh, another, one, another thing which is very important is uh, helping the African country, country and to really have a more ambitious adaptation plan mm. and all the underlying policy and enabling framework which are behind that. And one last thing which is very important at this scope is really to to work with countries so we can really reshape our development trajectory by working on, on our long-term strategies, setting out new pathways, not only for for mitigation, but economy-wide approach, which can help us to, to address most of the enablers we are talking about. Mm. So it's still coming at a very defining moment. We have wonderful opportunities uh, to really uh, uh, shift the process. And uh, uh, this could be very important to discuss a way to strengthen ambition. Mm. Uh, uh, after the five, after the last five years since the Paris Agreement, countries are now have to, to come out with new and updated indices. Mm. And so far, if you if you, if you look at the continent, only one country has submitted its, its NDC. Yeah, Rwanda. Rwanda. So this is, this is a very defining moment, and uh, and the COP is really a very wonderful opportunity for us really to enhance our our, our ambition before the deadline, and uh, and also. All the issue on funding, as I said before, and uh, uh, making sure that by the end of this COP, we'll have a new quantified collective post uh, 2020-25 objective in terms of finance. How we how do you finance climate action? Mm-hmm. From you know, and 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 I'm sure that the, the, the negotiation will be very difficult given the 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 cost the, the COVID-19 situation but it is something very 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 very, very critical for, for Africa. Mm. Yeah, I think you know this COP will be a very defining moment really to discuss on on how Africa can juggle with different balls and and use this COVID-19 situation uh, as a way to really build back better and you should have, you know stay us away from a stronger climate response. Mm. 
Mm. This is something we have really to to work on very very critically. Of course, there are different other issues at stake, but I think for me, these issues are very important. And uh, one last issue at stake is also all the discussion around how we can reuse the carbon market. Uh, this discussion has been going along for a long time now, uh, uh, since COP24, and then in Madrid last year. And, um, I think this is now really defining a, a very important time to really uh, uh, move forward on, on all these different issues really matter for, for the continent. Thank you so much, Arona. Saini, before we talk about the priorities for Africa, United States of America officially left the Paris Agreement last Friday on the 4th. Then Joe Biden was elected the next president and he has promised to have the United States rejoin the Paris Agreement. Why is it so important for America to be party to this Paris to the Paris Agreement? Well, for one, you would you would recall that it is the uh, uh, Obama Biden administration actually yeah. Yeah. Uh, who uh, join uh, I mean not just joined the negotiation but were instrumental for the Paris Agreement not only to be adopted uh, in Paris in 2015 but also to be uh, ratified in a record time. You know, I mean I think this is the uh, it all the record in terms of speediness in which a an international agreement of that caliber meaning the whole un 195 plus countries mm-hmm. having ratified in a year mm-hmm. and uh, the obama biden administration was instrumental for that to happen uh, and the us was uh, was extremely involved in all the uh, fine points and details of of, of this negotiation uh, so uh, this was key to them and they had realized it not just on the basis of environmentalism if I can use that, that, that word but because even in the US uh, from an economic point of view uh, they had seen uh, the growth of, of renewables and, and clean energy and, and uh, clean transport and how uh, this could uh, actually lead to, uh, to more jobs, to more growth and uh, the trend is clear right now. I mean, if you if you check the um, on, on on the U.S. stock market, uh, the biggest energy company today is a renewable company. Mm. It's not uh, the biggest in terms of market cap, uh, market capitalization. It's not Exxon Mobil anymore. Uh, same thing in terms of transport. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one uh, car company in the U.S. or actually in the world right now, if I'm not mistaken, is Tesla. Mm. So this is not just uh, uh, climate change for sustainable development, but in the case of the U.S., uh, it's, it's jobs, it's economy. Uh, so uh, it makes sense for, for, for the U.S. to, uh, to not just to, to combat, but to continue uh, leading. So I was not surprised at all, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you will see again our colleagues uh, from the U.S. Yeah. And we will come back to discussing that when we are discussing post-2020 financing. But then, mm-hmm. first, I just would want us to discuss Madrid. And uh, because you remember in during COP25, there's not so much um, that was achieved for Africa. But then again, just wanted to briefly say what Africa achieved and what happened in Madrid in COP25. Well, not not much, unfortunately. And uh, we had to, uh, had to admit that we were uh, disappointed. And sometimes, you know... Uh, no decision is better than a bad decision. Sure. And unfortunately, uh, uh, in Madrid, on, on three fronts, 
uh, we are not able to to achieve any any meaningful outcome. In some cases, no outcome at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into Madrid, we felt that we were going to finalize the negotiation on the new, um, you know, on the new carbon on the new carbon markets. And this is important to us for for many for many reasons. It's important. Uh, to, it was important to finalize that negotiation because uh, this is an opportunity for for more ambition. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to finance adaptation because right now there is a share of proceed when 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 those units are being sold. There's a there's a levy which then fund the the adaptation uh, fund, and Africa has benefited uh, quite a bit from from that fund. So uh, our position was was clear. Uh, any mechanism uh, coming out of this negotiation as to you know as as to have provision for funding for adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, the rules themselves of the market, the rules underpinning this 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 market, have to be uh, stringent and robust to ensure the overall integrity of the system. Mm-hmm. Meaning that we must be sure that units reduce are units reducing by by uh, by the universe and not uh, having accounting tricks so that you count units and those units are not have no integrity whatsoever so we're extremely stringent on the uh, on the rules we haven't been able to finalize that negotiation mm. uh, and that's okay because again we would rather had very stringent rules than you know loose rules which will uh, which will not uh, would not help us to to move forward on finance Africa advocated for a number of uh, proposal. This was, you know, we were in 20 uh, in 2019, almost getting into 2020, the end period for that 100 billion uh, target. We wanted to have a thorough assessment of where we were, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and on the, the target itself, we were not able to get that uh, uh, that um, that mandate. Uh, we wanted to start. Uh, discussions on the parameters around the post-2020 negotiation on finance, uh, which, you know, which needs to be finalized by 2023, but you need to have a roadmap. You know, the idea was to agree to at least start a negotiation on on a roadmap for the negotiation to see, okay, what needs to be done on the technical, on the technical side, what are the inputs into that process? What are the milestones between now and 2023? Sort of having, again, some, some parameters to, uh, to clarify and to, to, to come up with with some uh, yes with some clarity on, on the way forward that again we're not able to uh, to achieve last point where there was not uh, much progress as well mm-hmm. is the special circumstances of Africa mm-hmm. uh, which is a standing issue since cop 21 what is it in very synthetic terms is to recognize that but Africa uh, is a continent which warms at least 50 percent more than uh, uh, than the rest of the uh, than the rest of the globe uh, uh-huh. because you know that's that's uh, uh, for geological reason or a geographic reason because most of the continent is between the tropics so it warms more I mean or faster than the rest of the uh, the world it's more vulnerable uh, it has a socio-economic uh, lag so on top of that you're adding uh, climate change uh, it, it amperes the development gains. So the idea was to, uh, since uh, COP21, this is a standing request by the continent to have a recognition and acknowledgement of that, of that situation. Again, we were not able to, to, to move that much. So Africa's position was clear. Uh, if we can't have significant, meaningful progress on those issues, there's no point to have an agreement. We'd rather come next year 
and uh, and uh, and be firm and be strong because this is a position on 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 principle. There's 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 no compromise really where where you know uh, on, on on those issues. I would I would rather say that than saying well uh, this is uh, those are red lines which are being crossed. So sometimes it's unfortunate, but rather not have uh, a decision than a decision which brings uh, uh, so much prejudice and and, and for, for for the rest of uh, the foreseeable future. Okay. And I want to come back to discuss further because I want to, I want us to talk further about special circumstances. But before, mm-hmm. um, I want to take you back to carbon markets. And when you talk about carbon market, what are you talking about? Expound further, and why is it so critical for Africa? Okay, so I'll start with the 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 basic uh, the basic principle of, of oh. carbon market. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea was that you know we are uh, we are one planet, mm-hmm. so uh, emissions. Uh, can be uh, reduced in whichever part and having you know a net reduction and having a, a, a positive uh, a positive impact globally so the premise for the creation of carbon markets was that developing i mean developed countries who had in the system uh, before paris who had an obligation to reduce their, their emissions could actually um, uh, there could be projects in developing countries Mm-hmm. And those uh, reduction, like setting up a, let's say, a, a solar plant or a clean or a clean power plant in one country, the the um, avoided uh, emission reduction could be then uh, bought. Uh, the units could be bought through a, a, a grant or a subsidy and be used toward a targets of of developing of, of a developed of a developed country. So that was that was basically the idea that uh, developing countries would. Uh, um, have programs and projects and then those programs and projects would be supported and the uh, corresponding uh, by you know uh, a calculation of the corresponding emission reduction and that would be a grant that would be a, a, a subsidy so that was the first uh, that was the first uh, interest for us a transfer a transfer of technology uh, funding uh, by subsidy grants to to some innovative projects the mm-hmm. second, the second, the second uh, benefit was I had, as I had indicated, on the uh, selling of every unit, there was a levy to fund an adaptation, uh, an adaptation mechanism, okay. an adaptation mechanism which will fund projects in uh, developing countries. So that was the second benefit. You know, carbon markets would um, indirectly fund adaptation in African countries and, 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 and other countries. So it was, uh, the whole mechanism was interesting. It was never put at sort of, let's say, at scale, mm-hmm. because very rapidly the price of, of carbon went down sure. uh, because there was no, there was not that much ambition in the, uh, uh, in the system. So yes. instead of mobilizing, let's say, billions and billions of dollars, it became maybe a, a, a hundreds of, 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 of millions. But the system itself, was quite interesting in terms of lessons learned and then uh, now going into the negotiation of this new um, i mean this new carbon market regime which is called the sustainable development uh, mechanism we want to to build in with all the lessons learned in terms of rules in terms of geographic distribution of project in terms of support to adaptation finance so i want us to get to the special circumstances what is it all about Mm -hmm. well again it's, it, it starts from a, a rationale uh, that the, in the last 20 years, since the beginning of the convention in, er, in the early 90s, mm-hmm. Africa as a region, Africa's uh, socio-economic, 
vulnerability was acknowledged and recognized and that had a a a direct impact in terms of prioritizing the continent for uh, support as well as understanding the constraints the development gap of the continent mm-hmm. to also leave some room for the continent to do its transition mm-hmm. so in going into paris the partners then felt that it was uh, that differentiation was not relevant anymore mm-hmm. but as much as africa holds 70% of least developed countries but one should just focus on the least developed countries but as a region they were not keen to sort of extend uh, this uh, uh, let's say positive discrimination or this realization but this continent still uh, has very specific uh, socioeconomic uh, conditions and those socioeconomic conditions are, as well as as I'd indicating the fact that the continent's warmed uh, 50% uh, uh, more than the rest of the world should be recognized mm-hmm. so this uh, in paris uh, was not able to be reflected in the agreement mm-hmm. and africa showing maximum level of flexibility had indicated and the cop president recognized that but there would be a continuation of 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 the discussion and see how this could be taken forward mm-hmm. and when one looks at you know some of the socioeconomic uh, condition it's for instance the fact that africa is already in most cases losing anywhere from 2 3 4% of these of its gdp due to uh, the impacts of of climate change yeah. this is the continent which has more than i mean almost 20% uh, of its population living in hunger uh, the access to water is less than 30% the access to electricity is less than uh, uh, than uh, almost 50% when the rest of the globe is 70% access to to water in africa is it's 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 one third so those are those are valid situation you want to take for instance even even the hydromet situation on africa meaning access to climate data mm. uh, w, uh, wmo which is the world meteorological organization has done a survey in terms of the adequacy of the uh, hydromet system in africa almost 70% of national hydro meteo services in Africa operate below uh, a basic level so the continent has as deep gaps in when it comes to infrastructure uh, basic economic social infrastructure climate change is make it worse climate change is hampering i mean i was talking about 2% 2 to 4% gdp loss most african countries are exactly this is what they achieve they achieve a 2 3 4 5% gdp loss so if all that gdp loss is getting i mean all that gdp gain is getting wiped out by 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 climate change impact you're not really we are not really uh, making making progress yeah and again uh, and again this climate change is something that we but is totally uh, totally important africa is less than 4% of of global of global emission so even if we are even if we go to 0% emission we still won't be able to solve this uh, 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 to solve this crisis this is a global crisis and the reason of having a global response and the reason why africa is so involved is so active in the negotiation because this is not like aids or malaria or ebola where we can sort of close our borders put in place national policies to uh, deal with the crisis So we need to have we need to have a global uh, a global solution. Yes, go ahead. Mm. Yeah, the groups that were actually opposing Africa consideration for special uh, circumstances. You find 
among them were least developed countries and uh, seeds, uh, small island states, majority of whom are in Africa. And just to remind you that we are talking about the road to Glasgow, priorities for Africa. And this episode is part of the Green Economy series made possible by a collaboration with Africa's premier development finance institution, the African Development Bank Group. And in particular, it's Climate Change and Green Growth Department. Yes, I think, I think in that uh, conversation, uh, we uh, in Africa have to redouble our efforts when it comes to, uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, to, to the communication, outright uh, PR and, mm. and, and outreach. Uh, because uh, the reality is mm -hmm. that the seeds and the LDCs, mm -hmm. those are economic groupings, mm -hmm. meaning that you can graduate out of uh, out of the uh, uh, out of a seed. I mm -hmm. mean, to, to to some extent, to some extent, you always be a small island. Yeah. But your development economically, status, sure. Economically, you mm -hmm. could graduate out of that. Sure. The LDCs clearly, I mean, we have seen in the last, just in the last five years, we've seen uh, a few African countries who have graduated from uh, the LDCs because again, this is an economic status which is very underpinned by your, uh, uh, by your GDP per capita level. Uh -huh. So the conversation and then, you know, this is, this is, uh, uh, this is some, the work that we are getting, uh, but we are also advancing, not as fast, of course, that we, we we have to do more homework, which we uh, which we are, mm -hmm. is to to explain and to present it to the different colleagues. But sure. you can never graduate from Africa. Yeah, you can graduate from the seeds. You can graduate LDC. from an an, an 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 LDCs and and but you can never graduate from uh, from Africa. Mm -hmm. So what? So it's not as much. I mean, it's not as much that the LDCs and seeds are against it. It's rather the partners who are. Uh, in some cases, uh, orchestrating, uh, orchestrating the 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 uh, the, the narrative. Mm -hmm. It's not that you know most African uh, health diseases and seas don't 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 get it. Mm -hmm. There's been a, a very subtle, uh, sophisticated orchestration of this pitting, you know, one group against the other, or almost, uh, if not threatening, at least um, making it as such. But mm -hmm. some groups will lose their benefit in case, you know, if in case this this happened. The trade-off is not between Africa and seeds or Africa and LDCs. That's not mm -hmm. where the trade-off. That's not where the trade-off is. But well, it's with the, with with partners mm -hmm. uh, understanding that uh, as much as again, and understanding that Africa, despite or or actually on top of having a large majority of LDCs, even the countries who graduate from an LDC status, they're still facing very much so. The socioeconomic challenges that I have defined. You know what we will be working on is to make this uh, issue a lot more political. Mm. It's clear, but from a technical point of view, yeah. we have made the argument. Okay. But we have also realized that this yeah. is this has been turned into a very polarized political debate, mm -hmm. and we are now uh, going into that phase of really getting our leaders aware of this situation. And then preparing a case for them to articulate it at the highest level, because to us this is really, uh, if not the most important point right now, uh, mm -hmm. this is a point which is going to remain for the next generation at least. We are now working on raising the the political level of this, 
okay. so that it is it is it is put on the table at the highest level, and it is and so that the other side understand. But it's not just coming from 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 negotiators, and this is way beyond the implications are way beyond uh, climate change per se or environment per se. It has much deeper. Uh, implication for our development trajectory. And um, what benefits does Africa achieve with that recognition? Many. The first is a prioritized access to uh, the resources which are available. Mm -hmm. uh, the second is, unfortunately, there there could be uh, trade, uh, uh, well, say climate-related trade measures mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Where you know where access to market, I mean preferential access or access to market, could be conditioned or could be uh, uh, safeguarded based on based on that. Mm -hmm. So by by the special circumstances of Africa being recognized, it will ensure that Africa is not adversely prejudiced when partners put in place those uh, those mechanism. Uh, that's uh, extremely uh, important, uh, and uh, the sort of just transition. To, to you know, both from an, an, a, an energy point of view, or you know, some other measures to sort of have uh, some, if not the financial support, at least some time, some additional time to transition and not being not being penalized or sanctioned. Mm. And this is something that we are we are we are seeing coming. Negotiations are, I mean, the EU and others start alluding to mm. possible, let's say, carbon. Uh, a border tax adjustment, mm. carbon related. Mm -hmm. So you want to be sure that Africa is not going to be adversely impacted okay. by such measures if they were going to be put in place. So it's okay. not just, again, as I said, uh, uh, access to, to, to finance, but it's to preserve the continent against measures which could be put in place and where we would be adversely uh, impacted if our uh, special circumstances are not, uh, uh, are not recognized. Okay, and I'm looking at the time and I'm saying our time has first moved very first. <laughs> so, but, but before I let Indeed, you guys... Indeed, that happens. Those are, those, are very, those are very interesting conversations. I'm I tell you. at my watch. Yeah, so, um, but before I let you go, I just would want us to, to discuss post-2020 finance because then again, yes. many, uh, finance is the thing because then again, if, even if we have very good NDCs um, on the table, but you find that our Af majority of African NDCs are conditional. And you also find we are we are dealing now with um, economic inputs due to COVID nineteen, and uh, we've also seen like developed countries who have historical responsibilities and on emissions and also have a responsibility to provide finance. They are also um, going through economic impacts due to COVID nineteen. And of course, there was a 10 billion uh, that was committed in Copenhagen, but there's been a question of whether it's been met or it's not been met. How do we move forward in terms of post-2020 financing? Interesting. What, what Africa, the first thing that Africa wanted to do was to learn from the first process as such, meaning the 100 billion. Mm -hmm. You would recall that that announcement was, was made in, in 2009 by... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, by Hillary Clinton uh, yes. before uh, as as uh, the Secretary of State of, of, of the U.S. Mm. and so the context of that announcement was uh, was purely political, mm. meaning there was no pre-assessment on the needs of the continent, on uh, or the continent or actually uh, any developing country or developing countries as a group for that matter. Mm. There was no technical assessment on uh, on uh, the modalities through which this would be disbursed how this was going to be counted and hence the uh, the total confusion of mm -hmm. today 
that's why the African group wanted to go about this this negotiation in a very structured methodological manner mm-hmm. but we should agree before and before anything is set like any target is set but we agree and we have a proper uh, assessment of the needs we have a proper assessment of uh, you know what are the instruments what are the what counts what does it count what is you know how can we really make this a, a process which is inclusive a process which is transparent a process which responds to the needs of of countries mm-hmm. so we're very keen on that process to us is most important is much more important than any figure which can come out of the negotiation that's the first thing mm-hmm. that we have we have learned the second thing is we are also thinking about maybe breaking up or or, or or disaggregating that goal for instance you remember it was a 100 goal everything under the sun mm. we are we still in exploratory mode but we are thinking how, it could perhaps make sense to have a sub goal for adaptation mm-hmm. adaptation grant base adaptation grant base africa so we we, we that could also help in the tracking of the of progress yeah we're not interested by a number we're interested by by a process which is interpin by scientific and technical rigor mm-hmm. and that that will come out with with whatever outcome but a outcome which is strongly rooted in our needs which is strongly uh, rooted in in rules uh, and in strongly uh, uh, rooted in uh, uh, in what can be done building on you know building on then Uh, everything and leveraging everything else which is possible and that has been our position and we're very strong uh, on that one uh, uh, you know having a very clear robust technical uh, process hmm. briefly i know we've discussed special circumstances we've discussed adaptation we've discussed you know carbon market but then again i want you to just you know streamline it in terms of what specific will africa be taking to the core ambition 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 hmm. ambition for adaptation ambition for mitigation ambition for finance underpin by an acknowledgement of our special circumstances the, the three most important uh, to us uh, adaptation because regardless of the emission reduction africa is being impacted sure. africa needs to be resilient africa needs to protect its development gain so we must adapt to climate change regardless of that or what happens sure finance is key for you to do anything on the ground finance is key absolutely and we must also be preserving africa by telling our partners you have created this mess you are not funding nowhere near uh, in an adequate manner let alone at scale so the recognition of those consequences on the continent and the recognition of the existing uh, fragility of the continent you must at least recognize that and acknowledge that and of course we're going to finalize uh, the negotiation for the uh, carbon markets article mm. 6 mm-hmm. and as well as any mechanism coming out of this market should this that there should be this levy uh, to uh, fund adaptation adaptation action we're very strong on that and that's a very specific mandate to mm-hmm. cop 26 i mean we were supposed to finalize this negotiation 2 years ago and we will not be ready to just agree for the sake of agreeing if there is a fundamental compromise which doesn't respect uh, the the elements I've alluded to thank you saini arona saini has mentioned how important post 2020 climate finance is 
for the continent. But I'm wondering, given majority of the Africa's NDCs are conditional to the provision of finance, what role will the bank play in ensuring mobilization and access to post-2020 finance? Yes, I, uh, on, the, on the NDC side, the bank has demonstrated a, a very strong leadership uh, by setting in place Africa NDC Hub, which is a platform of 18 partners uh, supporting regional member countries on on defining and revising the the, the NDC. And as, and, 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 and as I said before, the question is just just not just to be ambitious. We have to be also more accurate and uh, in terms of numbers in terms of data in terms of baseline and make sure that this industry revision process is also in line with government policies yeah. and it's, it's also provide new opportunities and uh, uh, the industry revision process in africa we know before the paris agreement most of this industry had been developed in a in a very critical situation of you know of russia you know before going to paris and now not now it's time and the opportunity to reform this NDC process making sure that they align with our development goals, making sure that you have updated information and also take now in both. The issues have been left aside in the first years of indices. Health is one of them. Okay. The next is between health and climate change. The issue around gender, the issue, the issue around cost of adaptation, mm-hmm. which has to be quantified. And see the NDC as a way to really unlock new opportunities. And the, the, the essence of this NDC is really to, to unlock new opportunities and to develop a new framework and design a new trajectory. And if you link that to the COVID-19 situation, I think the COVID-19 situation is also a, a new opportunity then, to explore a new way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can build better, back better. Mm-hmm. We can help to deliver more on our climate change, but also on our environment goal. Mm-hmm. And the COP will be also a very good opportunity to see how can we address the issue around climate disaster, extreme, ex- extreme events, and all the burden uh, poor countries are, are now facing. And all the issue which has been now highlighted by the COVID-19 around local adaptation, around how to build urban resilience, how to address the issue around water management, access to energy, social safety net, nature-based solution, how to prevent disasters, and so on. And at the, at the COP, the bank will really uh, highlight uh, the proactive action we have been taking to to, to design a strong COVID-19 stimulus package, mm-hmm. helping country to lay the foundation for building back better, mm-hmm. uh, addressing the short-term needs of the country, but also looking at the longer-term needs and in a more integrated way. And I think the building back better process will enable us uh, to, to be much more creative, leverage new funding as we did at the bank with, you know, the social bond with, you know, different different initiatives the bank is now taking to support regional member countries in responding to the new uh, address uh, COVID COVID nineteen. Mm. And uh, I think this is the way to go. The way to go is really to to make sure that our goals are really aligned and uh, and this is in line with our overall uh, support to countries. Okay. And it's something we'll be highlighting at the at COP nineteen. What are the main key messages uh, when it comes to COP twenty six? I think one of the key messages is um, we have a unique opportunity really to turn the dots and, uh, as I said, to bend the curve and and to to address the issues in a more integrated way. And uh, it takes collective efforts. And at COP twenty six, mm-hmm. adaptation finance must come must must come much stronger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
as a priority for for the African continent. And we need to to leverage on public and private and private sector finance mm-hmm. to build resilience. And uh, uh, for the bank, this is an opportunity really to, to to highlight and to use our major initiatives uh, for women, Afawa, for affirmative for women, desert to power, uh, bringing uh, uh, bringing and enabling access to energy in Africa, uh, addressing all the issues around climate smart agriculture and working with not only Minister of Environment, but also Minister of Finance, so we can really uh, make sure that, you know, adaptation plan are also in line with a development plan and budget. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the issue of adaptation must become as, as a priority for the African countries. The second thing that we have discussed was all the issue around making sure that we have increasing climate adaptation finance, which mm-hmm. is very key for the COP. Countries have been developing indices, they have been developing all sorts of management plan and uh, development plans. It is now time for us to scale up our support, to make sure that small island, island development countries, African countries have enough tools and means for adaptation and for building resilience. And we need to be very innovative in terms of financing options and, and, and so on. Mm. One of the other messages I would like to say is, you know, all the issue around COVID-19, we have discussed it uh, sadly, mm-hmm. using this opportunity to really deliver on on the green growth agenda and building building better resilience for this continent, laying the foundation for building back better and greener uh, for the future. And making sure that we are addressing the triple crisis, climate change, biodiversity, land degradation. And for that, we need to build synergy. We need to have a collective effort. We need to scale up efforts. We need to work on the most critical areas in the in the continent, the Sahel region, uh, support regional initiatives such as the Great Green Wall, you know, the Congo Basin, you know, all the all the, all the issues around the Congo Basin, the heart of Africa, along our coastline. Hmm. So this is, for me, these are very important things, and the bank has made a very strong pledge mm-hmm. uh, to support this transformative agenda. Uh, we have made the government to allocate 40% of our funding to climate change, but we will, we will, we will go beyond by making sure that there's a priority, a priority between artificial finance and mitigation uh-huh. and going beyond that, making sure that for the, for the years to come, uh, the support from the bank to the climate agenda will be, will be, will be scaled up. Yeah. And this is something very important. Uh, our next climate change strategy and policy will also reflect the outcome of the COP26. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. I don't know say we must end this conversation now, but I sincerely appreciate you for taking time to join this conversation. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Thank you very much. That was Arona Somere, the African Development Bank Principal Climate Change and Green Growth Officer and the spokesperson to the African Group of Negotiators on Climate Change, Abbasanda Seininafo, talking about the priorities for Africa on the road to Glasgow. Gratitude to the continent's premier development finance institution, the African Development Bank Group, and in particular, its climate change and green growth department, whose collaboration has made this conversation possible. Remember, this podcast is available on our website, Africa Climate Conversations, and every other channel you access your podcast from. Please do not forget to share, as someone who is on your network would really benefit from this conversation. But until next week, to have yourself a productive and safe week ahead. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.